All right, friends, as we turn to Scripture, let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Set our hearts on fire. Set us free to live. Set us free to love. Amen. Our Scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2. Let's listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together. They, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. It can be easy to get bewildered by Pentecost. It is such a strange story filled with wind and spirit, tongues of fire, odd languages and ancient lands we can hardly pronounce. Were you impressed with the way I just shot through those? (laughs) Three years of seminary, that's all you get. It seems so long ago and far away, it's hard to imagine what it means for us today. The first followers of Jesus were huddled together. They were were shriveled up with fear and uncertainty. And then something happened. We don't really know what. Was it a mighty wind and tongues of fire? Or was it something more subtle? Hope and new life and freedom slowly opening up like a flower on a spring day. Whatever it was, the fearful followers found their voice. And then they proceeded to turn the world upside down. And because of that, because of them, we're sitting here today almost 2,000 years later telling their story and dreaming their dream. Now, for most of us, the Spirit has never blown us off our feet or set our heads on fire or grabbed hold of our tongues, and we might be glad for that. We are Presbyterians after all. They don't call us the frozen chosen for nothing. We prefer things done decently and in order, and the Spirit can be an unruly visitor. But there have been times when fear was pressing us down into the dirt, and yet somehow, some way, we got up and faced the world. There have been times when we have been haunted by feelings of inadequacy and yet somehow, some way, we did what we had to do. 
There have been times when we have felt a black hole of despair, sucking all the life and hope out of us, and yet, somehow, someway, someone needed compassion from us, and we gave just a little bit of ourselves away. Pentecost may seem big, rushing winds and tongues of fire, but it's, it's actually small. One deep breath, one spark of hope, one faithful step at a time. You know, I worked as a hospice chaplain and a hospital chaplain when I was in seminary, and I think it's fair to say that this was the most anxiety-producing experience of my life. Uh, I've since raised two daughters, so I've unlocked new levels of anxiety, but... (laughs) But working as a chaplain was a crash course in dealing with feelings of fear and inadequacy. I would put on that chaplain's badge and take a deep breath, and then I'd wander from floor to floor and room to room, trying to look like I belonged there. Outside each room, I would sort of pace back and forth, trying to build up the courage to knock on the door. Or it would be 2 o'clock in the morning and my hospital pager would go off and I'd pick up the phone and they would say, trauma, level 1, ETA, 10 minutes. So I would splash water on my face and stagger down to the emergency room to help out with the latest car wreck or drug overdose or gunshot victim. And with each step, my anxiety level would rise. Here were people in situations of mortal danger and distress. They needed doctors and nurses. What value could I possibly bring to them? And sometimes I just wanted to hide, but I didn't. I went to the emergency room, and I walked into patients' rooms, and I talked to them, and I I tried to be present with inconsolable family members, and I sat with people as their lives ebbed away. And I can tell you, I did not do any of this because I suddenly became brave. I did it because something, call it the Spirit, gave me a little strength, just enough to knock on one door, just enough to take the next step, nothing more. I think that's how the Spirit works. One deep breath, one spark of hope, one faithful step at a time. It's that same Spirit that brooded over the watery chaos at the very beginning of creation, the same Spirit that time and again found a way for the people of Israel, keeping the promise alive, keeping the flame burning. That same Spirit is at work in the New Testament with a story that begins with shepherds and angels and ends with crosses and an empty tomb where what seems to be the end of the story, death on a cross, turns out to be only the beginning because the Spirit was not done yet. And it continues today. That same Spirit that hovered over the watery chaos, that worked its way through exile and homecoming, cross and resurrection, rushing winds and tongues of fire, we are caught up in that same Spirit today. Even now, that Spirit summons us to a new future, one deep breath One spark of hope, one faithful step at a time. That's how the Spirit works. Now, we do have to acknowledge there are other spirits too. The writer of 1 John tells us to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Pentecost, is not the only spirit in town 
I think there's a spirit of despair haunting our world right now. It's too much. The challenges of our day are too much. And so we're tempted to give up and give in, to live as if we don't belong to God or to each other, to live as if the world doesn't care about us so we don't have to care about the world, to engage in the luxury of apathy. How much of our entertainment and leisure-oriented lives are really thinly-veiled attempts to distract us from despair? We could talk about the spirit of fear. How many of us are in the grips of that spirit? Now, some of that fear is generated by news sources and politicians that feed us a constant drumbeat of frightful shadows. Fear sells. But some of that fear is all too real. You know, we're just one year removed from the Uvalde school shooting where 19 children and two teachers were killed. And in the years since then, there have been over 600 mass shootings across the country. I didn't believe that number. I had to double-check it. If our only answer to violence is more violence, which spirit is at work here? We could talk about our spirit of division, our perpetual temptation to carve the world up into us versus them, to presume our team, our church, our party, our nation is always on the side of the angels and the other side is always irredeemably bad so that the world gets divided up into smaller and smaller factions that can hardly even talk to each other anymore. Maybe one of the reasons the spirits of despair and fear stalk the land is because the spirit of division keeps us from doing anything about it. Pentecost is about people connecting and communicating and being empowered to change the world. The spirit of division is the very opposite of the spirit of Pentecost. Test the spirits, the Bible tells us, to see if they're from God. Now, the church has always been tempted by these other spirits. How many churches have been undone by the spirit of division, duking it out over this preacher or that music director or the way they read the Bible or the church's take on some social issue or the color of the carpet in the sanctuary? How many churches have become paralyzed arguing over worship times and styles? Let's get some drums and guitars in here. The old hymns were good enough for Jesus, so they're good enough for me. But we've got to connect with the culture, but we've got to respect tradition. On and on it goes. Not here, mind you. Other places, these are things that people (laughs) argue about. How many churches are locked down by a spirit of fear, fear of a changing world, fear of expanding minds, fear of people who look or think or love differently? And so they get smaller and narrower and angrier, clinging ever more tightly to worn out traditions and ways of thinking, all because the spirit of fear won't let go of them. How many churches are weighed down by a spirit of despair? Serving God with heavy hearts, shuffling through huge buildings that once were full, facing the future not with joy, but with a sigh of resignation. Those first disciples knew all too well the spirits of despair and fear and division, and yet on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit 
moved in. And the spirit of despair evaporated like mist in the morning. The spirit of fear loosened its grip on them. The spirit of division gave way at last, and the flame was rekindled, and life was reborn. One deep breath, one spark of hope, one faithful step at a time. Too many, too many still suffer under a spirit of despair, not hope, a spirit of fear, not faith, a spirit of division, not love. And so filled by the spirit of Pentecost, that wild spirit that is on the loose, we are called to work for justice and live with compassion, to break down barriers, to break free from hopeless pasts and fear-filled futures, to be joyful vessels of the spirit of God. What spirit? What spirit has a grip on you today? Is it a spirit of despair or a spirit of hope? Is it a spirit of fear or a spirit of faith? A spirit of division or a spirit of love? Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Set our hearts on fire. Set us free to live. Set us free to love. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.